This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, guys. We'll get to film study in just a minute, but I got to share this with you. Do you know what that sound is? It's the sound of me opening up my fresh can of Liquid Death. Make sure you guys are checking out Liquid Death. I love it. I've been drinking a ton of it lately. There's something magical about it. Somehow the water in a can just seems colder than any bottle I've used before. Make sure you're checking out Liquid Death. Pick it up next time you're at the grocery store. I love it. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Here with my co-host Dan Reese for this week's By the Numbers. Uh, as always, great to talk football with you, Dan. How you been doing? I'm doing good. Uh, another uh, a rough fourth quarter, but uh, you know a, 
a pretty decent game overall before that. Um, yeah, I think they, they've shown some good things, but uh, just need to put it all together, I think. so. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, we're, we're going to have some numbers on this, but this is still one of the better teams in the National Football League. I'm, I'm convinced of that. And maybe by going through some of this, we'll, we'll kind of uh, understand that. Uh, you know, with the big, big concern right now for me is injuries. How about you? Yeah, I think so. Just getting everybody back and, uh, you know, making sure we don't get in too big of a hole before uh, we get there. So it's mm-hmm. a good place to start. Okay. I'll start off this week with 2.33 and 10%. Uh, the Ravens have averaged 2.33 heavies per play. You probably hear me talking about this once in a while on the other show, but a heavy I'm defining here as a fullback, a tight end, or a sixth offensive lineman. So wide receivers and running backs are not heavies. Um, and, and you have five eligible receivers per play. I got to explain that sometimes too. Um, so the most common personnel package in the entire league, of course, is 11 personnel. They, they played about 61% of that league-wide in 2021. Uh, the, the least anybody has played 11 personnel, which is you know three wide receivers, only one heavy, is 25% by the 2019 Vikings in the past six seasons. And the Ravens this year are at 10%. Actually, I think, Dan, you told me it was 9.8% uh, 11 personnel through four games. So this is a historically heavy offense in terms of the, the, the personnel they run. I mean, there may not have been one like this in decades. We're trying to figure that out by going back with some other sources we have, uh, but we may not be able to, to, to determine that. Uh, but I can say they are so ridiculously uh, ahead of the, even the 2019 Vikings, who I believe are right around 2.00 heaviest per play, a little bit less than that, in fact, and them being at 2.33. So I think the, the takeaway from this is despite the heavy packages, Ravens offense has been very good this year. And, and in particular, their pass offense has still been at 6.2 yards per play, which is fourth in the NFL. Yeah, it's uh, it, it definitely has been amazing how what they've rolled out there um, as far as personnel and um, and the success that they've had out of it. Um, you know, I think uh, I don't see them changing that up anytime soon. I don't I don't see how they really could with the uh, players they have on the roster, um, and I don't see why they should based off of the success that they've had you know until defenses kind of adjust and um you know if if they do adjust and play um play those the heavy personnel for pass then you just run out of it and i think that's you know plays right into your hands so uh it's a it's a really a good position to be in that they are kind of having a good counter to a, a lot of what the rest of the nfl is doing yeah, I, I was just going to say that. That's a great point, is that the this is a zig and zag thing for the Ravens, that a lot of other teams went out and bought high-priced receivers, spent a lot of draft capital on wide receivers, and the Ravens avoided that. And they're saying, okay, we have we think we can win by another way that's more economical. And and I think it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool they're doing that. All right. Yeah, I totally agree. I think uh, I'll go to my my number is, uh, is 84%. Um, this is kind of related to the tight ends here. And 84% of the plays that have, uh, they have been passes when Isaiah likely has been on, on the field. So, um, and that's up, it was up to 91% this week. So they're putting a ton of heavies on the field. Like you talked about, unfortunately, I think there's a little bit of a tell when they put likely on versus Oliver on for Oliver, 18 of his 21 snaps this week, 
uh, were in 22, 21, or 23, so really heavy with uh, with Ricard on the field as well. And, and uh, you know, and, and he ran a lot more. There were a lot more run plays when he was on. So, you know, I think it's they need to get a better balance when Oliver uh, and likely are on the field uh, so that the defenses can't just read it. So we had a similar number come up on the offensive program that when Oliver and likely, sorry, Oliver and Boyle were on the field, 62% of those plays were, were runs. And when likely was on the field, it, it was approximately what your number is here for the, for this season. And, uh, you know, he's a designated receiver. It means he comes in effectively on obvious passing situations. I, so some of it is, yes, it's a tell. The other part is, yes, it's a down and distance situation that they're going to, they're going to more likely uh, uh, run it, but I agree. It's it's uh, they got to. I, I want them to be able to use likely on rundowns on first and second down when it's not obvious what you're doing, and you know you you can use him then to, uh, to on play action on other ways that that'd be more useful. And um, I think they're missing out there. Yep. All right. Let me go on. To, I've got a number that also includes some Isaiah likely. Number, so we'll go to that now. Um, Fifty nine and minus thirty. The 59 is the defensive adjusted yards above replacement for Mark Andrews this season. That's a football outsider's numbers that takes his yards above replacement, uh, which looks at his, his total catches, what his expected yards are on those catches, and then how many he actually had and how much that's above replacement. Um, and it, his his number is third in the NFL. Uh, the Isaiah Likely number is minus 30 through – uh, four games is 42nd of 43rd of 43 NFL tight ends with at least eight targets. Um, Andrews's yards per target number are actually uh, flagging this year. They're they're having uh, you know he's he's being bogged down by targets where he's the bailout guy, I believe, and his yards per target is down. Um, likely just has a very poor start. But I also look at this as an opportunity for the offense. This is one of the areas where they're not excelling currently that they could excel in the future. I think we both would agree that likely is a, is a, uh, you know, we're optimistic about what he brings to this football team and that he can do more in, in terms of being a receiving threat. And, and probably as they throw to him, uh, his numbers relative to replacement are going to go up and Devin Duvernay's numbers, which are through the roof are probably going to go down. Right. You know, one of the, my biggest concerns is, um, is whether Lamar is kind of down on likely. You know, he had a couple of drops early in the season, and we've definitely seen Lamar kind of, uh, well, I guess I'm making an assumption that he does this, but we've seen him kind of target people less, you know, after a few drops, uh, you know, Boykin and things like that. So I, I hope that he's able to build back that rapport with uh, with Lamar and, um, you know, that he he does target him. Uh, I think there were a few plays this last week where where he was open and, uh, you know, Lamar just didn't get to that read or, or, or didn't feel comfortable passing it to him. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I do hope that um, um, that that they can get some chemistry going because he is a huge additional threat. And we, as we saw during the, the preseason, just a uh, – a real weapon out there, especially after the catch. Do you think the, the injury to Bateman may change Lamar's feeling about likely in terms of how he's willing to go to him? Uh, I, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do this week for sure is on the pass play. And I think it is going to increase those heavy numbers. And uh, I think he's going to have to, um, you know, I, I think he will kind of naturally rise in the ranks of, uh, of targets that he looks at. So uh, I, I hope, 
that he does, and I hope that he is successful and that they can continue to build off of that. So I do think while having while the possibility of Bateman out this week is bad, it also could be good for the long term by by um, kind of allowing others to develop. So mm-hmm. yeah, good point. All right, uh, my next set of numbers is two numbers: four point six and ten point eight. 4.6 is the average air yards for Lamar in week four. 10.8 is the average air yards uh, for, through the first three weeks. So 10.8 is extremely high. You know, Lamar is one of the top uh, in the league with average air yards. He, he you know, throws it deep. He, he has, uh, is very, um, you know, looks on field a lot. 4.6 is a very, very other end um, uh, this week. So it's, it was a pretty wild swing. Uh, not, not good at all. Uh, to say the least, I think, uh, you know, I think obviously weather, uh, Bateman's injury, um, Buffalo's defense, all of those played a role, right? They were all, all big components. Um, but nonetheless, you know, that, that big of a drop-off was concerning to me. Um, you know, five of the passes were behind at the line of scrimmage versus only four were beyond 10 yards. Um, you know, it, it, it really showed through every number that, uh, you know, that it was a really off game for passing for Lamar, I think, and, um, and, and for, from his reads and, and all around for the passing attack last week. So I think you, you hit on pretty much every single reason in the Buffalo defense and the weather and whatnot being the being big factors. Also, Lamar doesn't play a check down game. So Joe Flacco always had Ray Rice to throw to after read one, read two, Rice kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's not what Lamar does. His third read is to run the ball. That gets taken out of the denominator of these A dot numbers. So right. he's not he's not that's not dragging down his overall number. Um, I think in this game it was a lot of a lot of cases of Roman trying to scheme the ball out of Lamar's hands and and probably being a point of emphasis during the week that the ball had to come out pretty quickly against his Buffalo team. And with the Ravens current tackle situation, I have to think that's impacting Lamar as well. Yeah, likely. It it was interesting. However, the the time to throw was actually a pretty close. Yeah. I, I thought maybe it would be a little bit ball out quick sort of situation, but I didn't see that that as a a large uh, driving factor for um, for the, so the smaller numbers this week. So, all right, that's interesting. Uh, I'll move ahead to three point eight five percent and four point five two percent. Three point eight five percent is the defensive. Sorry, that's three point ninety five. It should be has been the defensive interception rate this year compared to an NFL average of two point four zero percent. The Ravens' defensive sack rate, on the other hand, has been four point five two percent as compared to an NFL average of six point seven six percent. Not good. Um, if you talk, think about what the Ravens have done approach wise this year. I think these numbers make a lot of sense. Um, they've been extremely patient in terms of creating interception opportunities with zone defense, a lot of their time, frankly, spent with the lead um, and having opportunities to force the other quarterbacks to throw into, into high interception risk situations. And they've gotten some of those. Um, but the sack rate, I think I, I blame largely on the uh, problems at edge they've had. You know, They lost Justin Houston. They obviously lost Tyus Bowser before the season. David Ajabo is, is still not ready to go. And we didn't expect him to be ready by this time and not – not casting shade there, but uh, the Ravens, if they're going to improve, they're going to need to get more out of edge. And if they do get a higher sack rate, uh, which I think is likely that the sack rate will improve the rest of the year. Uh, if they do, then I would also expect that interception rate to go up because I think that the interplay between your pass rush and 
what your uh, back end does in terms of productivity is is very tight. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I do think, you know, the injuries, but also even the lack of depth impacts the the pass rushers that are out there, right? They don't, they can't yeah. kind of have focused all energy downs on, on, on high, um, you know, high, uh, impact downs, you know, you've got OA out there for, for every snap almost. And he, and he's also kind of playing a different position than he normally might. So, uh, you know, I think there are a lot of things coming into play with with the sack rate. Um, the interception rate has been awesome to see. What a what a great um, you know uh, outcome so far this year with that with, um, with with Marcus Williams and and Humphrey getting involved and you know love to see that you know um, and then you know Peters is going to get involved. Um, you know, he, I guess he's got one or one or two one. so far. Yeah, one. Um, so it's just great to see and. Um, no, they they played some tough QBs, so so doing uh, you know doing that well against uh, some good competition, I think, is great. So, um, all right, my next set of numbers are are looking forward to uh, the, this week's game against Cincinnati. Uh, we've got twenty seven percent, seventy four percent, and forty nine percent. These first two numbers are tied together. Twenty seven percent is the run stop win rate for Cincinnati. Uh, the team run stop win rate uh, for for Cincinnati's defense, which is thirtieth. Seventy four percent is the team run block win rate for Baltimore's offense, which is four, which is fourth. So real strength uh, for Baltimore on, on blocking on run games, which I was surprised by, and uh, and Cincinnati's really struggled in in stopping the run game. So hopefully this can be uh, something you know that they take advantage of. And you know that could be huge with with Bateman out. So, uh, and and the third number was forty nine percent, which is the team pass block win rate for Cincinnati, which is twenty eighth. So they've really struggled uh, to protect Burrow. He I think has has got sixteen sacks, uh, which is yeah. you know uh, definitely up there amongst the the top in the NFL. So that's uh, that'll hopefully help with that sack percentage we were just talking about. And uh, I'd love to kind of. Uh, rack up a number of them this week so this came up at length on the know your foe episode this week which is out today by the way folks if you, if you want to take a look at it but a really good guy uh uh mike Santagata. i'll always say his name and Santagata, i think is correct but anyway bengal's guy says that they've replaced four of the offensive linemen on that line and they really had to after last year's burrow getting just killed despite the fact that they're going to the super bowl uh, but the new guys really haven't been that good this year. And he thinks it might be some of a continuity problem, but they've got guys who have been real stars in the NFC in particular, uh, Kappa, Karras, and Lyle Collins, uh, who played in Dallas at right tackle, and, and none of them are really performing all that well so far this year as, as uh, pass blockers. I wanted to ask you about the run-stop win rate also. Uh, the 27%, is that use the football outsider's definition or one of these run-win things where it's a percentage of the yards you have to get by down? It's a uh, no. That's that's um that's from from ESPN from the next gen stat. I think it's from it maybe next gen or just maybe ESPNs. It's their uh their run stop win rate. So okay, so I'm not um, sure the definition. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly the definition, but it's it's their general kind of overview of how well the uh you know the defensive line does against run plays. So uh you know whatever their definition may be that rank them at 30th so um you know i guess it's not ideal using 
stats that you don't know exactly the definition of, but here we are. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, I, I like that. I like the general direction. I, I yeah. don't really understand the magnitude in terms of yep. what's going on. Fair point. All right. So let's, uh, let's go on. Uh, we'll look at what is, could be a looking forward or looking back number, but plus five and minus 11. Um, the Ravens so far this year in four games have, are a plus five and take away and give away, uh, which is second in the NFL behind only Philadelphia. And, uh, they, last year, of course, they finished the year at minus eleven, a horrific number, uh, where they weren't—they just weren't getting uh, takeaways, and they were giving the ball away at a pretty good clip. Um, this correlates, and I don't know what the correct word is for this. I was wondering if you knew, Dan, but causates because yeah. it's really, it, it really a a um, you know, being ahead in games, it, it, it causes the trailing team to exchange turnover risk for the chance to score some additional points. That's exactly what you do when you throw the ball on every down, trying to like crazy to come back and in, in a football game, you care less about throwing the ball into tight windows and some interception risks and whatnot. Um, it correlates extremely closely to winning. If you look at the bad teams in this category, they're all losing teams. If you look at the good teams in this category, they're all winning teams uh, with just an exception or two. So um, that's one that the Ravens really need to keep up this year and make sure they're, uh, uh, their, their t- giveaways and takeaways stay in good shape like that. That'll mean they're leading in a lot of games. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting stat because unlike some, you know, like the over 100 yards rushing or something like that, which clearly happen after you're in the lead, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you can say that, you know, that's just correlation that happens afterwards. This one, I think, can have some causation and some just afterwards correlation depending on the timing of the inter- interceptions because like you say like you said you know if a team's trailing they'll be more aggressive with the throws but it also can be if you are able to uh, force turnovers that can leave you to a position to you know score uh, easier and things like that and, and take that lead so uh, i it, it's been huge this this season um you know the the defense has been you know taking advantage uh, of that a lot and it, uh, it it has helped the offense, which um, you know, by by some metrics has been doing re- very well. But I think by some metrics and and some you know just the kind of the eye test um, ha- has kind of left some stuff on the field still too. So I think you know it's been it's been crucial to kind of get those short fields and and um, you know uh, I, I think it it'll be it'll be key for sure throughout the rest of the season. I agree. So. All right, my next set of numbers are uh, 2.7, uh, negative 0.29, and 32.7%. So lots of numbers here. So 2.7 is the average yards per rush for Joe Mixon. That's the second lowest on qualifying running backs for uh, next-gen stats. So uh, really not performing well so far this year. Negative 0.29 is the EPA per rushing play for Cincinnati overall, which primarily is Joe Mixon. And again, that's that's second worst in the NFL for EPA per rush play. Uh, the last number, 32.7%, uh, is the success rate on run plays, and that's wor- the worst in the NFL. So, uh, you know, just three ways to look at it, that the Cincinnati running game is really struggling. Um, and I think that that is, you know, something that can, can help with the the Ravens defense is they're able to kind of focus on one aspect you know they they don't have to kind of keep uh keep their eyes on both run running attack and passing attack because we know how dangerous Cincinnati's passing attack can be 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure they'll see a lot of 11 personnel and the, and the, the Bengals still like to run out of it, obviously. Um, we mentioned for Isaiah Likely, the uh, defense adjusted yards above replacement uh, for him was minus 30. For Mixon on his runs, minus 44. It's the second worst in the entire NFL. Only Austin Eckler has been worse. So uh, that's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> so, not good. And, and it's good for, for the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna, we're going to have one more look back number here from this last week, and that is the percentage uh, percentages from come from, from the Ben Baldwin bot uh, relative to that fourth and two decision. And there's 63%, 49%, 83%, and 41%. I'll explain each of these. The 63% is the probability the Ravens would have won the game had they kicked the field goal. And that assumes a 99% uh, kick rate, success rate for Justin Tucker. So saying Justin Tucker would have added a lot of value really already is fitted into this model, uh, I think, as, as far as it can be. Um, there's a 49% chance, according to the model again, that they would have won had they failed to convert the touchdown. Now, a lot of that is looking at that possible range of outcomes and saying a lot of those are going to be left right at the two-yard line, which didn't occur. Um, unfortunately, they got brought out to the 20 on the on the, uh, on the the pick. But uh, it uh, that definitely hurt their, their chance to, to hold that tie uh, had they failed. Then they had an 83% probability to win had they scored the touchdown. So you're John Harbaugh and you've got a balance how often am I going to be at only 49% to win this game versus how often I'm going to be at 83% if I go for it relative to the quote unquote sure thing of it's almost a sure thing of being 63% to win. If Justin Tucker comes in and, and, and kicks the field goal, uh, the, if you do the little bit of math on this and it's some simple eighth grade algebra here, you come up with a 41% break even probability uh, needed to score the TD in order to go for it. Um, you know, it's been highly criticized and I tried to ask the question on Twitter. I, I, I can never seem to get the answer to the question I'm asking directly. Uh, but, but I, I asked, you know, what, what do you think in that situation was the percentage chance of making that, uh, scoring that touchdown? And I got answers between 15 and I think 85 in terms of, of people's view of it. But I think Harbaugh is probably correct on the assumption. I think it was probably about a 43 to 47% chance, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on that, Dan. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I forget the numbers exactly I, I had. I had looked into this a bit and thrown some numbers out on Twitter uh, early, earlier this week. And I do think they have struggled on the goal line. Um, they have done really, really well relative to the league on short yardage outside of the goal line. But on the goal line, they, they have struggled. Um, but even still, they, they were above the 41%. So, you know, regardless, they were above that threshold of break even. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, in, in my opinion, it was the right call. I don't, I think the percentage is above that. Uh, I think you even can adjust some of those, um, you know, some of the other aspects of the model and, and think, you know, that Buffalo is a, a strong offensive team making their, you know, making the likelihood that the field goal is going to win even lower. Um, so I, I, I think, I think the logic was there. I think the, um, you know, you can criticize the play call, the execution, and all of that. But uh, the Ravens have shown that they um, are aggressive and follow the the, the analytic models, uh, analytical models. And um, you know, I think they, based off of that, they made a consistent call and the right call. So. I've made my feelings pretty clear about this during the week. But how, how do you feel, or how do you react to an article that says, "Screw the analytics," or "Forget the analytics," or whatever? 
when you start to read it? What does that what kind of what does that evoke with you? <laughs> uh I I don't know that I would keep reading that article much. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think uh, it was an interesting article actually today by a, a, a jo- Josh uh, Hermsmeyer, I think is his name, mm-hmm. um, talking about how um, people are averse to, um, you know, to the models and, and just, um, I forget the term he used, but uh, basically as soon as they hear that, uh, you know, it's an algorithm averse is aversion, mm-hmm. I think is what he called it. And I think as, as soon as you hear the the you know the fact that you know this formula is telling you to do something you'd rather listen to a human even if you know that the formula is more accurate uh in, and you've seen that in results um and, I, and you know i think that's a lot of the case is that people are just kind of uh, averse to um putting their trust in in kind of formulas and i think looking at it from the break-even perspective um that you were you know you were talking about with this 41 percent threshold is key because then you get the human element into it you don't just say harbaugh it says go you know you go harbaugh what percent chance do you think we have to score and if it's above 41 percent, then you say there you go go ahead and go for it you may start noticing there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores Well, that's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is this water called liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Those aluminum cans it comes in are recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities, so they won't just end up in your local landfill like plastic bottles. Go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find Liquid Death re- retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com front slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com front slash film study. And, and I think actually, actually have, you've, you've, you've kind of said it in there, but I want to be, be clear about how that's probably framed for him over the headset. He may actually ask for it or, or that may be told to him on the at the exact moment in, in the game, but his people frame that up as a break-even rate, I would be sure. So they'd say, the model is telling me if it's if it's 41% or higher, it's it's worth going. And then it is all in John's hand to say, hey, do I really think it's 41% under these circumstances? Mm-hmm. And they may also give him some other information like what do we think our, the probability is? But it's mostly, it's John making that decision using his gut, using what he knows about the percentage chance of break-even. And once people realize that, I think some of that aversion should go away because yep. you're, you're, not, you're not using the model's chance to make it. You're using the, 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 the gut chance of the coach. Yeah, and I think that's the key with all of this analytics is taking the combination. You know, analytics and all these models are a tool in your toolbox in order to make the right decision, right? You don't want to make decisions based off of this one model blindly. You know, want mm-hmm. to know its limitations. You want to know what goes into it. And combine that with the you know the historical knowledge and gut knowledge that Harbaugh has. You know those are in, invaluable. So you have to combine those with the models. So. I want to spend just another minute on this because you and I are both actuaries, and we've dealt with a lot of uh, models that involve projection of cash flows in various ways. It might be for pensions for you, might be for for product pricing for me. But we're looking at at projections of that, and you never say screw the model. You say. I don't believe your assumptions. Let me take a thorough look through those. And you, you go through assumption by assumption and, you've, and you, you try and flag where are areas that you might be too high, too low 
relative to what you think about it. You're very careful about this when you when you when you do a financial model of these types. I, is it, am I misrepresenting this for the pension world as well? By the way, no, I think that that's reasonable. Um, you know, I think we there are you know there are like you said, you have to look at the assumptions and uh, uh, make adjust your model or adjust your interpretation of that model accordingly you know if mm-hmm. you, you look at the model and say okay well it doesn't quite take it doesn't take into consideration rain for example mm-hmm. and well it's raining it's terrible weather let's think about how we should adjust the output from the model with this expect with this new input new assumption and, and, and how does that impact it there's still value to be added from the model so you don't mm-hmm. want to discount it entirely all right that's great all right awesome yeah such a such an interesting topic and i I love all the back and forth about it that that's been out there um uh you know lately on twitter and on espn and all of that so real real great discussions so um one more looking forward number uh uh, 2.67 and 1.37 2.67 is the points per drive by baltimore fourth best 1.37 1.37 is the points per drive allowed by Cincinnati, second best. So this is really going to be, I think, the the kind of the crux of it, where we see where we see uh, you know uh, the where the results play out. And I think a lot of it is in the red zone. 71.4% red zone TD rate for Baltimore, which is fifth best. 44.4% red zone TD rate allowed for Cincinnati defense, which is seventh best. So. You know, like it always uh, often comes down to, it's really going to come down to red zone efficiency and whether, um, you know, whether the Ravens can knock it in when they get down close um, and just take advantage of uh, as much as they can on on the drives, you know, limit the three and outs and really uh, be as successful when they get down to the red zone and knock it in. So I think that's really where, you know, we'll see the results this week play out. Lots of strength versus strength stuff there. That 2.67 points per play for Baltimore, this, this basically is exactly on target for what I would have hoped for to take advantage of what the Ravens bring defensively to the game, meaning they're a team that leans on opponents with the lead. you got to score a bunch of points for that to work. So the 2.67 points per drive are where they need to be. The defense is not quite delivering on its end uh, so far, although they've had some turnovers in these uh, in these first few games. All right, I'll move on. Last number of the night here, last number of the the show, uh, 9.2%. And that's per football outsiders. And they use their DeVoa statistic to determine this. Um, uh, Actually, I think they use something called Dave, which is DeVoa adjusted for their preseason expectations. Um, They have the third best chance to win the Super Bowl of any NFL team currently. And so it's easy to get incredibly depressed by this team. And I can tell you the prospect of writing and analyzing about a 17 point blown lead and a 21 point blown lead has weighed heavily upon me these last three weeks. But uh, this is also one of the best teams in the entire NFL, even given what's happened. Uh, They play good teams. Uh, They haven't lost any game by blowout. Uh, You know, they've lost good teams to, to, you know, Miami, who was a much better team than anybody expected. I think preseason, they lost to Buffalo, of course, Um, New England might be not as good, but they also, you know, beat them pretty handily on the road. Um, And they certainly uh, took care of the New York Jets with ease in in week one. And the Jets have have since played better. So uh, I think there's lots of reason to be optimistic about this team. Most of the the, the non-optimism that I have, the pessimism that I have prospectively, relates to the injuries they've got and uh, and whether or not they can uh, make adjustments and come back from that. Yeah, I think um, 
you know, I think third is, is, is maybe high. I don't know whether I would have them third, but I definitely have them among the contenders for sure. Um, you know, I think, I forget the exact number, but uh, the amount of time that they've trailed has been under a minute. I think it's a number of seconds. Uh, F- 14 seconds in the two losses. Seconds. Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. So, um, you know, it's just been a couple of rough quarters against some good teams. You know, Miami has shown that they're a lot better than, um, you know, we a lot of te- people expected them to be. And, and Buffalo, everyone knows, is tough. You know, they were one of the top, top two in, in this uh, determination. So um, both of them extremely tough matchups. And, you know, I think Baltimore has played really well. I think they have some pieces that they need to put together and some, you know, like, you know, just make it consistent. Consistency is, I think, uh, the the piece that they're missing. Um, and as far as injury goes, uh, you know, I think there are some concerns as far as injury. And I'm really hoping that, uh, you know, we get this uh, um, reinforcements in here so- sooner than later. Uh, I know um, we're, we're seeing a couple of them come off of uh, off of PUP, but uh, I think some of them will still take a couple weeks of practice. But uh, but I'm really hoping that we get, uh, you know, get those reinforcements and can you know, kind of reduce the number of snaps that a lot of players are having and kind of focus on, on, um, you know, giving them their all on, on fewer downs and, and kind of increase their production that way. So, yeah, absolutely agree across the board, Dan, always a pleasure to do the show with you. Uh, tell folks where they can talk football with you online. Yeah. Uh, out on Twitter is the best place. Uh, DP Reese, then the number eight, out on Twitter, just uh, you know, throwing out different stats and graphs and stuff like that throughout the week. Uh, also discussing any any sort of topics that come up. Uh, you know, had a couple of discussions so far with the, with the new signings with Isabella and um, and and uh, uh, Klein. So I think um, you know, th- there's some moves coming contract wise, and um, and just you know, reach out on Twitter. I think that's the biggest thing. All right. Outstanding. And for this show, I'm going to make a new appeal to people. If there's some statistic that you've seen that you'd like us to maybe look at for inclusion on this show, I would would be happy to take a look at it. DMs always open on Twitter. Also, if there's some phenomenon you want us to inspect and see if we can come up with a number that would be representative of that. Love to hear your your, your thoughts on that as well. Again, just hit, out with a, hit me up with a, a DM on Twitter at Film Study Ravens. Dan, always great to talk football with you. Yeah, my pleasure. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.